This is Awareness Explorers. Welcome, welcome, friends and Awareness Explorers family to another episode of Awareness Explorers. I am your co-host, Jonathan, and I'm with my trusty co-host and friend. Ryan, Tom O'Connor, that is. Yep. Good to see you. So we don't have a title for this one, but the idea is to talk about the truth of not knowing, or can we know anything, or we don't know anything, or something like that. Or is anything true? Is anything true? Ain't that the truth that we don't know? Anyway, so we have a lot to say about this topic. And one of the things I do want to talk about is why we are exploring something like this. I think it has a lot of potential advantages to any spiritual seeker. But what's the first thing that pops into your head? Well, I also um, thought, you know, why why we're talking about this subject. For me, um, the reason that we're talking about it is because I don't, true because I believe that truth is something that the mind conceives of. And let's just define the mind as the conceptual or verbal mind. Uh, And I don't believe that it is equipped to see reality as it really is. So I think truth is, is, is simply a concept in the mind. And so that's why I wanted to explore it. How about you? Well, I think there's uh, some benefits to loosening the screw in our head that thinks it knows anything for sure. I think when you look at this subject and dissect it, you see how little we know and how little we can know anything. And that can lead to maybe a letting go of beliefs or not holding on so tightly to them. And I think it's also when that happens, you have more openness, more spaciousness, more willingness to explore stuff that perhaps previously you thought was definitely true and actually limited your experience of reality. You know, on a very practical level, um, when I was a kid, I had a stepfather that used to beat me up every so often. And uh, one time he beat me up pretty bad, and I thought that was the worst day of my life. Now I look back and I think of it as the best day of my life, because that's when I got into meditation and self-hypnosis at age 12, you know. So even on a practical level, we don't really know what's good or bad because we don't have time to see how it all turns out. So some of the reasons have to do with that this this not knowing or this uncertainty gives you more of a sense of being loose in life. You know, it's kind of like Byron Katie's thing. Are you absolutely sure that your belief is true? Well, when you don't know something is true, when you're less sure, it does kind of make things that are bad not seem so bad because you don't know how it all turns out. Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> are or you not. sure though? Are you absolutely can you be, sure? Can you be absolutely sure? And one thing about it is also about identity. Uh, and now that you mentioned, you know, Byron Katie, she, in, in her process, she asks you to judge your neighbor and, you know, say that such and such a person shouldn't, be that way or shouldn't do something and you ask yourself is it true 
Can you absolutely know it's true? And then goes on to say, who would you be without that belief? And I think that identity is one of the core facets of this conversation about truth and not truth, because pretty much anything that we come up with to define ourselves is something can, that can be known, but known by what? Something other than that. So there's no concept that isn't known by something other than that concept. So we can't define ourselves whatsoever. And that turns out that could be seen as frustrating, but like in the Buddhist practice of not knowing or don't know mind, they sometimes call it, it actually can be freeing, can be liberating. Yeah, and when you don't even have an evaluation as to whether something in your life is good or bad, it does create equanimity. And equanimity is partly what we're going after here. So that can be a really good thing. Mm-hmm. So let's um, uh, look at this idea that the mind can know anything and kind of shoot some holes in that wall so that we can let some light through. Okay. You know, one of my hobbies, I'm really, uh, I read a fair amount about physics and quantum physics and listen to some of the great physicists of our time. And when you listen to them, that can be really helpful for realizing that we don't actually know anything because they'll say things that are so far out that you you think that these people were Looney Tunes. You know, like in every moment, one theory is that there's billions of universes being created every moment from each moment or that the universe goes on forever therefore there's brian and and jonathan on some other galaxy doing this exact same thing somewhere because if everything's infinite then there has to be an infinite numbers of brian's and jonathan saying the exact same things somewhere else or i mean you can go on and on the you know, uncertainty principle shows that you can't even know where a electron or an atom will be with any, any certainty. And as you listen to some of these things and realize that they don't know, have any idea what was happening before the Big Bang, they don't have any idea why quantum physics works differently than gravity, all these different things that they say, that physics is like the heart of science. And the hardest scientists or the best scientists don't actually know anything. And that kind of can be a freeing feeling, like we don't really know what's going on. And when I, I listen to these people, you know, some spiritual giants will say we reincarnate or that we're here to learn certain lessons or whatever they say, all kinds of stuff. I say, well, yeah, that possibly could be that we don't see 99% of what's going on and and so, yeah, maybe that's all true. It's true that we don't see 99% of what's going on. And we are actually, uh, you know, uh, I think it's Donald Hoffman uh, talked about yeah. uh, that um, we're evolutionarily disinclined to see reality as it is. We're basically just sort of seeing little icons, like desktop icons that sort of indicate a deeper reality because reality is way too complex we can't really experience it fully our mind can't comprehend it there is though a certain practical element of it if i mean if you're just talking about practicality then 
yes, there are certain things that can be true. For example, um, quantum physics has certainly um, led to a great many practical inventions so that even though we might not be able to know things, we are able to predict the probability of things happening and therefore build instruments and, uh, and machines and stuff that actually do stuff that's helpful to us. And of course, if you ask, well, is it true that this particular museum is closed on Monday? You can say, yes, that's true. But that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. The yeah. practical side. So we'll put that aside and, and I'll just say, yes, there, you know, if you're talking about practicality, sure, some things are true, some things are not. But if you're talking about the nature of reality and what we know, it seems to me that when we think we know and when we define it and when we put a name to it and when we give it a concept, we're actually limiting it, limiting it. We're actually filtering reality with our thinking verbal mind instead of directly experiencing it. And well said and that it becomes a very big moment to moment experience of this filtering because we filter through things like good and bad in every second. I like, I don't like, and we filter through beliefs. Like I was struck uh, when I went to Bali a bunch of years ago, um, this woman was in mourning and I asked her why she was in mourning. And she said, well, I had a child three months ago. And in Bali, they mourn when somebody's born and they throw a big parade and party when somebody dies. And it kind of played with my beliefs, you know, that you should mourn somebody when they die. No, they're going on to a better place. Congratulations. Whoopee, you know, like that. So I found that funny. Or um, I heard a story about uh, the famous teacher Gurdjieff, who spent a bunch of his life eating like the best, most nutritious organic food that he could find in his day. And then he met this high teacher who he had great respect for. And the teacher told him, oh, you shouldn't you know, eat that type of food and you shouldn't chew it a hundred times like he was doing it. You should eat any kind of crap that you can find. And, you know, if, if there's a bone, don't even bother chewing it. Just try and swallow the whole thing. And, and that will make your system stronger because it has to like now work to digest that food and, and give it energy to your body. And Gurdjieff's reaction to, his, to this was like, well, both points of view made sense. Eat healthy food or eat crappy food from what this guy was saying and that he really didn't know. And that went on to other things. Is it good to uh, do this spiritual practice? Well, not if it builds my ego. Is it good to you know, have good hygiene? Well, maybe that makes me more sick because now I'm not exposed to germs. I mean, any, any concept that we come, could come across, there are people who will have an opposite point of view. And I think that that can be a little scary, but it can also be kind of like, well, you know, this is my best guess and that's what I'm going to do. And who knows? Yes. And when you let go of that, you're letting go of positionality mm -hmm. and positionality is something that defines you as separate from everything else. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, you know, that's a good thing to let go of. 
Uh, what you just said also reminds me of my favorite quote from Shakespeare, which is nothing is either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And we do a lot of thinking. So we make a lot of things good and bad. That's right. That's right. And even in the spiritual world, we have a lot of concepts. And even what we talk about, about awareness, there are a lot of concepts. And I remember um, Wayne Lickerman was a sp or is still a spiritual teacher, but he used to come to New York a lot. So I used to go to see him and he, he opened every talk with nothing I'm about to say is true. Except that. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's the thing. That's not true either. Uh -huh. I, and, and when you think of that, okay, like, is there free will? It's not true that there is free will. It's not true that there is no free will. Yeah. When you hold both of those in the same time, you, you can sort of short circuit that desire to nail things down. And that's what Zen koans are about, about mm -hmm. short circuiting the mind's insistence on describing everything in mental concepts instead of, as I said before, instead of direct experience. The, the weird thing is we think that our minds can understand reality accurately. And that's where the big illusion is that, you know, the, the analogy I use is a dog might try to understand your taxes through his nose, <laughs> but he's not going to get a good understanding of it. It's a wrong instrument and he doesn't really have the equipment to understand taxes. Right. And even if you had the smartest dog, there are some dogs that can, you know, know 800 words and such, but they're still going to try to use their nose to understand taxes and it's going to not work out so well. Um, and the same thing, you know, is true if you think of an ant trying to understand quantum physics, the smartest ant in the world might have some concept of something, but they are going to be so far from really understanding quantum physics that in a way they have zero understanding. And it might be the same with us in reality. The difference between ant and quantum physics might be a lot less than the difference between us trying to understand God, you know, because God, if there is such a thing that we want to use that term would be pretty infinite. And we can't understand anything like that. And yet we try and we think that we're getting close, but it's really a, a wrong instrument for understanding reality. That's absolutely right. It's just simply the wrong organ. Our, our analytical mind, at least in terms of searching for spiritual awakening or realization or, or however you want to define it, it's simply the wrong organ. It's, it's, it's by nature, the mind by its very nature is a tool to make distinctions between things for practical reasons. But if reality is such that there's just simply energy waving and rising and falling in various temporary forms and nothing is separate from anything else and we are that universal energy, then there's absolutely no way the mind could comprehend it. And yet, at the same time, even though the analytical mind can't comprehend it, when it quiets down, when you stop looking to, that, to the analytical mind for answers, that 
feeling that the nature of that universal oneness, which allows everything and is totally okay with everything to exist, can actually somehow waft its perfume back into your individual existence. And it's a mystery how that happens, but I believe that we can we can experience it. We can feel into it without the analytical mind. Said so poetically. Oh, thank you. The perfume of that experience. I love that. And you're right. It's it's not done through the mind. It's done through the quality of the mind. And it's hard to even describe what that organ is. That's somehow uh, you can you can be truth. You can't understand truth. Yeah, yeah. That's really a great a, a great summary right there. And it's very close to my favorite expression. You you can't see it. You can only be it. Mm-hmm. You know, truth is always, if there is such a thing, is just the idea of it is that it's something separate and static. And in reality, nothing is separate and static. So you, you've missed the boat from step one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you missed the boat from step one. That's perfect. You know, speaking of the, when, when that, that quote that I, that, I, uh, that I quoted from Shakespeare, I was just wondering if you would mind, I, when, I, when we were looking uh, when I was preparing for this episode, I was looking for some interesting quotes, and I found a few that that really are germane to what we're talking about and summarize it really well. And you know, start, the first one is about what we talked about about the practical truth. And William James, the psychologist, said, "If it is useful, it is true." Uh, I don't know if that's true, but I think that that's sort of um, step one, and. Rupert Spira said, and this is, you know, very close to the bone here at Awareness Explorers. He says, awareness cannot be modeled. In other words, we talk about awareness as if it's a thing that we can bring about that we don't have or that we've been, and it's none of that. It, 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 it's absolutely can't be described. And that's why you're, what you said earlier and, and the fact that you, you can't, see it, you can only be it, are true. And then my favorite one is from Adyashanti, and he wrote, the liberating truth is not static, it is alive. It cannot be put into concepts and be understood by the mind. The truth lies beyond all forms of conceptual fundamentalism. What you are is the beyond, awake and present, here and now already. Mm. I like that, I like that. So going deeper into the practicality of some of the things we talked about, one of my favorite stories is a Sufi story. Most people have probably heard it. And then I put a, I made a poem of it about the old man and 12 horses. I thought I'd read the poem uh, and then talk about the practical implications of that. If you haven't heard this, the story, this is a shortened version of it. Once long ago, there lived an old man he had no money, he had no plan. All that he had was a horse oh so grand, and he and his horse lived off of the land. The king offered him riches for his horse so fine. I'll give you my money if you make your horse mine. The old man said, no, the horse won't be sold. He lives free with me. He lives free and bold. Then one day the horse, he was gone. The horse has been stolen, the town folk cried on. The old man said, friends, don't look so sad. 
Though the horse is gone, it may not be bad. Well, the horse soon returned with others by his side. There were 12 now of beauty and pride. The town folk cried out, old man, you were right. You're blessed to have horses of an earthly delight. The old man had one much beloved son who rode one of the horses one day just for fun. But he broke both his legs while playing this game and the town folk cried out, oh, what a shame. The old man said, fools, don't judge so soon. You hear just one note, but you sing the whole tune. Who's to say what the future may hold? My son's legs are broken, but the future untold. Well, soon there was war and the young men of town were all sent to fight and everyone was shot down. But the old man's son was saved from this plight. Since he had broken legs, he was not forced to fight. And the town folk cried out, again, you were right. But the old man replied, have you no sight? Only God knows what is and will be. To live and let live is to live and be free. I love that story. That is a great story. And it's a classic. And, uh, and, and uh, I like your rhymed couplet version of it as well. It's quite, quite nice. Quite, yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, we don't know. We really, things simply happen. There is experience. All else is opinion. All else is just ephemeral mind stuff. And it can be useful to take our strongly held opinions and kind of put them through this, we don't know filter. Mm -hmm. So say uh, opinion I have is that death is bad. I don't want to die. So if I die in the next week, I'd be bummed out. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be there. But, you know, so a lot of our life is about avoiding illness, avoiding sickness, avoiding death, hoping that our friends and family don't die, things like that. Uh, and it's a very strongly held belief, but maybe like the Balinese death is a graduation and now you get to live in everlasting joy and you get to be free of this this problematic planet you know so even with something big like that you have to as you look at it more closely you have to say well uh, yeah, i don't know yeah i don't know we don't know we don't know anything uh, there are some truths that i believe in but well, even I, what, then what would, what would be an example well a primary one for me is that happiness is not dependent upon external circumstances okay happiness so, is our natural state within but so, even that can be broken down you want to try <laughs> give me a shot let me <laughs> let me give you my best shot well you have a certain limited experience for yourself that you also have been run through your filter of beliefs. So you don't know, maybe Joe Smith, uh, when he sits in silence, his nature isn't happiness, maybe it's it's horror. Granted, I can I'm I, I can only speak truthfully about my own experience and not guess what others experience is. 
And you can't even really speak truthfully about your own experience because that is also put through a filter and belief. You can say my, my interpretation of the past, first of all, it's an interpretation, and second, it's your past, is this. But that doesn't mean that that's always true. That's going to always be true for you. And so it's even good with something that seems pretty obvious to you that it be held a little lighter because it's still an interpretation. It's still the past. That's right. And we're, we're just saying, well, this is what happened in the past. And therefore, this might happen in the future. But might. It's lighter. But in this mm -hmm. case, it is like William James' quote, uh, uh, the truth is what's useful. Is it useful to let go of the idea that happiness is something out there that you will get? All I can say is, for me, it's useful. Can I say it's absolutely, ultimately true? No, I can't say that about anything. Yeah, and that you can't even say that it's useful for other people. That's right. And that's where it gets interesting. You know, it's very easy on the spiritual path to think that people should be on the spiritual path. You know, like uh -huh. it's better to be on the spiritual path. Right, but right. I remember something Ramdas said to me that it's not necessarily better that people be on the spiritual path. It's just different. You know, when you're 12 years old and you're collecting, you know, baseball cards or whatever, and then you start to become interested in, say, girls. Is that better? It's not better. It's 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 different. You know, you you let go of one thing and you're on to another. And a all of our judgments really are based on thinking, quote, thinking with our mind that we know what is better. And that gets us into all kinds of separation and all kinds of trouble. Yes. And it's all in relationship to some goal or desire like this is good, but in relation to some perceived goal or desire, I would like to, um, you know, uh, I would like to have children. Okay, um, uh, coming into sexual desire may be useful for that, but that, that doesn't, you know, it's, it's simply relative. Everything is relative. But I do want to stress that the reason that we're talking about this, circling back to how you started the question, is not so that we can have a debate about something that's true or not, or apply the Socratic method to it, which is a wonderful thing. But that's the reason we're talking about is much closer to, to the reason why someone might ask, what's the sound of one hand clapping or another Zen koan? It's, it's so that your mind can give up. Oh, this is true. Is it really true? What if it's not true? What if the opposite was true? This is true and its opposite is true. Can you hold both in the same, can you hold both in your mind at the same time? And the, the, the reason that we do it is to kind of have the mind let go of the reins a little bit, say, okay, I give up. <laughs> I give up. I'm not in control here. I, I, I don't have the answers. It's, it's, it's not up to me. I'm going to hand the reins over to something else, bigger, unknown, mysterious. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Your uh, assertion there made me uh, remember a technique a friend of mine 
Sanjay, who we interviewed on Awareness Explorers, he has a technique which I think is brilliant, where he says, you know, name something about yourself, like I am uh, healthy. And then also he you can say that the opposite is true. I am not healthy. I am both healthy and not healthy. And they're both they're all part of awareness and you kind of let go of one of those sides of the assertion. And when we accept both sides, I am kind, I am not kind. I am both kind and not kind. And that's all part of the capability of what is possible from this open spance of awareness. And as you use that, you can kind of, it kind of loosens you up and can help you to let go into awareness rather than be stuck in any particular position. Yeah, that, that loosening up and not being stuck, I, I, I agree. That is the key. That's the whole reason we're having this conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's a great exercise. Uh, and it's similar to, to Byron Katie's turnaround exercise. Like, uh, you know, my husband should help me with the dishes. Well, what is... What's a turnaround in this? My husband shouldn't help me with the dishes. I should help my husband with the dishes. I mean, you you know, or my husband shouldn't lie to me. I shouldn't lie to my husband. I shouldn't lie to myself. And you think of all the opposites of it. And, and something happens, they lose their grip. Those strong yeah. beliefs start to lose your grip when you play around with the mind. And it's not so that you can decide among three or four options, which is true. It's to loosen the grip. Yeah. So basically, it's a letting go exercise. And we need all the letting go exercises for our mind that we can get because it, 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 our, our mind is like, uh, uh, you know, Velcro. That's right. And it wants to be the boss instead of the servant. And it's much better as the servant than the boss. It definitely is. Yeah. Um, even something that, it, it's interesting to see that really everything is through an interpretive filter. Like, for example, a friend of mine just had a child, and I said, what, what was that like? She chose not to have um, any painkillers. And I said, was the pain like the most intense pain that you'd ever felt? And she said, no, it was the most intense joy I'd ever felt. And I thought, really? You know? <laughs> <laughs> trying to squeeze a baby through that that was you know that was not painful she said well i've been wanting to have this child for a long time and so as it was coming out it just felt like waves of ecstasy well i'm sure her body was giving her a lot of signals that something was going on which she interpreted as ecstasy whereas a woman perhaps having a baby after she was raped would have the totally opposite experience of the same or more or less sensations. So we can't really say anything's true because our, our filters are always filtering things uh, before we experience reality just simply and directly. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it's similar to the distinction we've sometimes talked about between pain and suffering. You know, mm. pain is pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. And pain is something that happens in the body. And it's a signal that something might need attention. Suffering 
is the idea it shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. And that's all concept in the mind. And it's not true. Uh, you know, it's <laughs> again to quote Byron Katie. <laughs> How do you know if something should be happening? Ask yourself, what is happening? Yes. That's the answer. I also like her statement, when you argue with reality, you lose but just 100% of the time. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, too. Uh-huh. You know, um, as a psychotherapist, a lot of times people ask me why questions like, why am I having to deal with this? Or why is there global warming? Or why uh, am I depressed? Or things like that. And I say, well, the actual answer to that answer is would require infinity to answer because everything is interrelated. So why are you depressed? Well, uh, you know, your parents beat you and the uh, uh, moon or the Mercury's in retrograde and you ate a sandwich this today that uh, had and you have certain neurotransmitters that are not working well and uh, you interpreted this situation to be that. I mean, it would go on forever. But That's the right. mind likes to look at things in terms of it's this or that. Like, we want to take all of reality and interpret it as either good or bad or right or wrong. And it's so ridiculous because the actual aspect of reality is hundreds of billions of interactions. Sure, so, like, that, like that butterfly a thousand miles away. Right. So... Um, there's things like global warming and politics and your health and all these that we judge them as good as bad, but really in, in quote reality, we don't know. We don't even know what the purpose of human life is. So how can we even judge it? We'd have to judge it against whether it's moving us in that direction, but we don't know what, what the ultimate goal is. So we can't even judge it based on, on some, you know, target. Absolutely. And we don't even know if there is a goal or a purpose. <laughs> exactly. People claim that yeah. they do and have written books about it, but how do they know? What if there isn't? What if things are just happening? Or what if actually nothing is happening and we just interpret experience as something happening? We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. And, and, and if we stop and analyze it and figure it out, Returning to our earlier uh, conversation, we're using the wrong organ. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we nailed it, Brian, and that's the truth. <laughs> and, uh, ain't it the truth? <laughs> Anything else come to mind before we do a guided no, meditation? No, I, I think you're. I think you're right. We we covered a lot of it. I suppose if you you know you never know what'll pop into pop into my head along the way. But right now, yeah. it seems to be kind of just having had this conversation to be a little clearer a little quieter uh-huh and on a practical level for our listeners you know there's just simple phrases that might remind you to let go of any positionality can i absolutely know that this is true can i absolutely know that this is good can i absolutely know this is bad uh you know why does my mind limit how I'm seeing this or noticing that my mind is limiting how I mm -hmm. see this into a simple category when in reality, everything is infinitely complex. Yeah, absolutely. One more phrase I'd add to that. One of my favorites is why shouldn't it be happening? 
And that includes any emotion you're feeling. Why shouldn't you be feeling that? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know. Don't know. Yes. Don't know is the best Zen koan. <laughs> yeah. Well, looking forward to your guided meditation. Sure. Well, I might as well jump into it now then. Good. And uh, I call this the truth about you. Okay. And there may not be such a thing. So first, as always, get comfortable. Take a nice, easy, deep breath. And relax. In this meditation, we're going to narrow down the scope of what's true and what isn't to what's true about ourselves. I'm going to ask you to think of things that you believe to be true about yourself. Let's start with your profession. For example, I am a nurse. I am a realtor. I am retired. I am unemployed. Look within your mind at that truth. Notice that there's an image that goes along with it. Sometimes it's a still picture, sometimes a moving image, sometimes it's just a feeling, sometimes just a concept. Notice that the image or picture or feeling is known. Ask yourself, Who is this known by? Or what is it that knows that? Notice that there is someone or something that knows that concept, that image. Someone or something to whom that image appears something other than that image or concept. It's you. But since this you knows this concept of your profession, this concept of your profession can't be you. You must be bigger than or outside of or other than this concept of your profession. Now think of something else that you believe to be true about yourself. For example, I'm a good cook, or I can't sing, or I love my family. Look within your mind at that truth. Notice that there's an image that goes along with it. Sometimes it's just a concept. Notice that that image or concept is a thought. It is only a thought. Notice that it has no substance. It's not made of anything, except maybe temporary ephemeral nothingness. Let's call it mind stuff. 
ask yourself, to whom or to what does this mind stuff appear? To me? If so, then it can't be me. I must be other than this, larger than this, outside of this. Ask yourself, what is this me? Let's say your answer is my body. Look inside and notice that my body is an image in your mind, or at least a concept. It's only a thought. It's an object in appearance like any thought, concept, emotion, sensation, or perception. Who or what knows this image or concept? To whom or to what does it appear? It must be something other than my body. So my body can't be me. So let's take a look at this I that knows these images or this mind stuff, this I to whom it appears. What is it? Wait for an answer to arise. Let's say your answer is awareness or consciousness. Look inside and see if there's an image or concept that goes along with this awareness or consciousness. To whom does this image or concept appear? Is that me? Well, it can't be me if I'm aware of it. Notice then that the truth, I am blank, cannot be true because it's known by something other than it. Now take the statement, it is known by something other than it. Can this be true? Isn't this just a concept as well? Just a thought, just ephemeral mind stuff? Does it have any reality of its own? Just for now, just for a few moments, imagine, what if this were true? What if anything I could possibly think of is only a temporary movement of mind stuff and has no relation to reality. Just words, nothing more. 
Now ask yourself, what in my present experience can I know without using words to describe it? What is here wordlessly? If words come, just imagine them arriving on a surface so slippery that they just slide right on out the other side. No truth, no non-truth, no concepts, just direct wordless experience. Now, here, this. And of course, nothing I've just said is true. Nothing I've just said is not true. Reality is beyond true or false, beyond concepts, beyond words, beyond thought. Now, take another easy, deep breath. And at your own pace, begin to open your eyes. Hey, Jonathan, we're back. I think you short-circuited my mind. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> there was steam coming out of there for a moment. <laughs> nice. Uh -huh. Thank you for that. Yeah. Quick shout out to our Patreon supporters. Thank you for supporting us. For uh, for as little dollar a month, you can get a bunch of extra stuff. So go to patreon.com forward slash awareness explorers if you're interested in knowing about that. And um, I listened to our last episode and I like how you say knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love. And I think that's true. So pass this on to your friends and family because a lot of people are hurting out there and they could use some inner peace. Yeah, that's true. Or oh, not. Or not. <laughs> <laughs> Caught ya. <laughs> no, I planned it that way. <laughs> okay, good, good. But yeah, yeah, really, really. Just no, nothing, you know, we, we, we try. We're just trying to put into words stuff that cannot be possibly put into words. And, um, you know, like, like, uh, like the Tao Te Ching says, you know, the, 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 the way cannot be put into words. And then it uses, you know, several 10, thousand words. words. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but you got to try because they can point 
to the direct experience of reality. And then when that pointer points, you don't keep looking at the finger that's pointing. Yep. Yep. Good word, standby. And I hope that uh, you use some of these ideas and you help you to go beyond your mind into something a little bit more deeper and richer. Until next time, keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends, because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.